Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 91. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. 91! It's I forgot, 91. it's been so long. We're on the road to episode 100. We well, yeah, are, we made those plans and everything, but then you said it out loud and I was like, right, God, right. Yes, right. Abnormal Mapping, right, yeah. Hello, Video welcome. games, Jackson, Video what games. have you been playing? Kingdom Hearts, I'm finally back at it, I'm playing Kingdom Hearts again. Oh, what what arc? Which character are you playing as now? I am playing as Ventus in Birth by Sleep. Uh, I got as okay. far as Terra in Birth by Sleep before, and now I'm playing as Ventus. Um, okay. So we'll update as I go, but finally, after the last few the, months, the of one character busy, no one seems to be a fan of. So I'm curious how that goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, no one cares about Ventus, but he's fine. like everyone loves Aqua, and a good set of people I know really like Terra. But I feel like nobody talks about Ventus. Aqua's really boring so far, but also I haven't played her route, so I don't know if she, I don't know if she's ever good or if people just like her design and that she gets to do things. She's because... the one. She's the one girl in Kingdom Hearts who does a single thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but by the standards of normal characters, she's she's very boring. <laughs> Uh, but i fair. do i do you know we you, you take what you can get it doesn't yes. make it good when you make it canonical that all the girls have one personality namora she is the qui-gon Jin of kingdom hearts oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, god uh no that's um erasmus uh, er- ericus 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 why did i say erasmus is not his name yes no. i don't remember my kingdom hearts names well that's because it's square we were rearranged Oh, right! Fuck! Kingdom Hearts! <laughs> Kingdom Hearts! Uh, but yes, I, the first route of Birth by Sleep was great. I'm having a good time playing it again. Birth by Sleep's a good game. Um, the only real disappointment is that with the PS4 version, it's still, a lot of it is designed to be played in portable mode, uh, and you can't. You can't take off the save and then play the fake Monopoly game in bed, which I would rather, much rather do, because it takes a long time to play fake Monopoly. Oh my god. That's fair. But I do. It's fine. It's just. It's just Fortune Street. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 a good time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no more uh, big coherent takes. Other than I'm finally back on the train. Everyone on Twitter is very excited. Yeah. Have you played anything? Uh, I started playing uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, which is a you game did. my brother got. That's <laughs> so I was gonna play it. Um, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how far I am because it has the Yoshi problem. This isn't true of every Yoshi game, but at its worst, the problem with Yoshi is that every level takes like 20 minutes to get through mm-hmm. because they're just slow as fuck. Yoshi's slow. It's about collecting a bunch of fiddly things on every level and like carefully ferreting out the secrets. And sometimes that's exhausting. Sometimes they just want to play a platformer. Uh, yep. And this game, I feel like, leans even heavier into collecting stuff. And also, the platforming is like... Th- I don't mean to be rude because I like it. I like I like these kind of games, but it's also a baby game for babies. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Which, the thing for me with this game specifically is that the the gimmick of the game is one that is not about platforming, but is about finding things. Yeah, I know. But like, uh, Woolly World is like a legitimately great platformer and limits the collectibles to like it's like five yarn balls that are basically like the star coins in Mario. And because of that, it's an incredible video game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was hoping I mean, for something more like this and not like, what if we made Yoshi's Island half speed? Oh God. Yeah. Uh, that's not good. That's a yeah. shame because yeah, I know it can go either way with Yoshi, but I remember playing the demo and thinking that because 
Like, you have the levels, but then you turn them around, and then you can shoot into the background, and they change it so it doesn't even have the very satisfying up and down. Like, you have to aim the thing manually because of how it now has kind of 3D aiming. Yes. Um, for the egg shooting. Um, yes. And I know some people really do not like the... Uh, Shadow complex. <laughs> yes! <laughs> right. Uh... I know some people don't like the Yoshi up and down, like press A to time it uh, aiming thing. I was a big fan of that when I played Yoshi's Island. Yep. Uh, and I think changing it to point at the thing you want to you want to activate is less interesting and definitely makes this a more pixel hunty game, especially when you turn everything around and you're finding the next the the reverse set of collectibles for the same level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that doesn't surprise me. At least it's something to play. You got a platformer. Is it is it scratching the itch at all, or is it just fully disappointing? Um, I I'm not far enough in because okay. it's slow, and I really I started it like two days ago because otherwise I don't have anything to report about because I've not been really been playing video games. That's I played a really good I played a really good iOS game called uh, Stickman Hook. I think is what it's called. Okay, Stickman Hook. What year is it? Uh, it's it's one of those where you know if you play a free to play game. They just feed you video ads, and every once in a while you see one, you're like, this game probably sucks, but I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, and so you download some stupid thing that immediately has 7,000 energy bars, and you delete it after, like, two levels played. Um, this one, I was like, oh, look, it's a, it's like a, it's literally, um, like a short level-based game about, gr- like, going over grapple platforms, basically. Like, you, you, you bounce off platforms and can grapple onto grapple points, and that's really all it is. Um... It's like, what if Endless Golf was a grappling hook game uh, about swinging on stuff? Oh, uh, this looks really cool. Yeah. So it has like some energy stuff. You can pay like $4 to eliminate all, three or $4 to eliminate all that, which is what I did. Uh, and then I played the entire thing. I finished all, like the levels just keep going because I think they're just like proc gen, but um, I'm, I've unlocked all the suits. I'm done. So <laughs> I did everything to achieve in that game, but I had a really good time. Um, I liked a lot. It's it's really simple, but it's the perfect game for I have exactly three minutes to kill. I get through two levels of this thing. Oh, this is cool. I'm playing it right now. Uh, it is okay. on. It is not just on um, mobile. It is also just like flash games. Okay, uh, cool. Type thing. Like just click the mouse. And make, this actually feels very good just on the computer. This is like a fucking classic Newgrounds game. Remember back? Yes, in the exactly. Day when it's exactly games? one of those. Oh, this is this is good. Right, I'm closing it because I don't play it on a podcast. But this is great. No. Uh, yep. Thanks for the shout out for that. Uh, yeah, and then I bought a I bought a Sudoku game on the Switch for like three fifty because it was on sale from five dollars. Uh, is it a good Sudoku game? Uh, I'm I'm because I'm me. I just work through the puzzles in order, so I'm playing easy puzzles. So it's hard to tell if Sudoku <laughs> easy puzzles are good or hard or good or bad because you can make any easy Sudoku board. It's like the dumbest thing in the world. Um, yes. When I get to the hard levels is when you like start to discover whether the game is good or not ask me again when i'm through 200 <laughs> boards because there's 300 total in this game uh the God, reason, I like little... uh youtube recommendations served me up a sudoku solving video yeah. the other day which like yeah of course I'll, I'll click on that so i watched it and i was like oh, i should get really back into sudoku and then this video was like here's the best sudoku book you can buy and it's like a book i'd have to import from japan for 15 dollars. and i was like hmm, that's a little steep for a sudoku book maybe i'll think about it and then i was at the switch store thinking looking at dragon's dogma because that's coming out this week uh it will already be out by the time this episode's up but it's coming out in two days and i was like do i want to get this on switch and i don't know uh but i saw the sudoku thing on sale and i was like sure i'll pay 350 for sudoku even if it's mediocre sudoku that's oh that's literally a 
fraction of the price of buying the Sudoku book. Uh, and because so it's, it's on fine. Switch, you can just buy the Sudoku rather than every fucking hell uh, advertising Sudoku app on the App Store. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems... It, it's got a very, like, elegant design. I don't remember the actual name of the game. Um, let me look it up really quick. I remember really liking the Sudoku in Brain Age. That was how I was actually introduced to Sudoku. Same. Um, I knew about it, but that was how I really like got into it. Yes. Uh, so this game is called Sudoku Relax. <laughs> so yeah. Instantly drawn to it. Uh, I'm gonna. I linked you some of the screenshots of this very chill game. Uh, oh wow! Oh, that's chill. Yes. Oh, it's got like a radial thing. Yes. Yeah. You oh. you basically use L and R to switch which number you're solving for. Uh, it's a very elegant way to play Sudoku on a controller. It, it's very chill, and and then these visualizers get uh, all the way popping. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Clearly this was machine translated description has the line, you will be healed with game effects and background music while you're undressing. That's you do true. not undress in this game, you play Sudoku. <laughs> what, d- does that mean like while you're relaxing in bed or something, I assume? I guess. I mean, I, that's how I've been playing this laying down on the couch listening to music. So, that's yes. The only way I can assume that they could possibly machine translate undressing in there is like winding yeah. down in the evening. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is possible to interrupt even time consuming problems. That's true. You're right about that. I need to remember that sometime. Thanks, Sudoku Relax. <laughs> <laughs> like a smartphone app, you can play casually with touch operation. I actually think the controls are really good, so that's how I'd recommend playing it. Yeah, this radio thing is like, oh, someone thought about how to put Sudoku on a controller, obviously. Yep, yep. Um, that's good. Maybe I'll get that. I like good Sudoku. Yeah, it's really cheap. Like I said, cheaper than Sudoku books, so, you know. Keep you going until they finally put out your meager, not enough uh, Picross <laughs> injection. The problem, so the problem with the Jupiter Picross games, there's another one coming this week. It'll already be out by the time this goes up again. And you've um, already finished it? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm playing Sudoku, so maybe not. Uh, maybe not. Um, the problem with the Jupiter Picross is that half of the game is set up with those that Mega Picross stuff, which I hate. I don't do them. Oh, um, it's, it's not just regular. But right, because they introduced all that. Mm. Yeah. And they're the same boards. If they were different boards, I'd probably do them even if I didn't like the format of the whatever. I think it's called Mega Picross, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't like I don't like that version of the game. It's not really the same thing. So I don't like it. <laughs> I don't really do them. I just skip them. So I only really play half the game, which is probably like a bad value proposition in terms of Picross. But it's not like anyone else is putting out Picross. Like there's 8,000 of them on phones, but Picross is impossible to play on a phone. And you've been playing that stuff, and, like, the boards aren't as good. <laughs> yeah. Every time I play a Picross on the phone, I'm either angry that the boards are bad or very frustrated by the controls, because uh, I just clear Picross with, like, a speed that is uh, probably not the intention of the game, <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> and it's all on the, contr- it's all on the like, the, the shoulders and the, the yes. D-pads. Like, when you get a good controller pick Picross, that's the way to go. <laughs> Yes, don't even mark the ones that you know are, like, blank. You just fill out the ones you know are good. I'm basically playing in pen. uh, You are on a higher level of Picross. Yeah, I don't even think I'm that good. I just played a lot of it. Yep. Uh, But I guess that's that's a a good point to call it for our video game check-in. Enough stalling. Yeah. Yeah.
for this month's Game Club, we played a game called Devil May Cry 3 Dante's Awakening. It is the third Devil May Cry game they made. It is the third Devil May Cry game we are covering on this podcast. Those lists are different lists. <laughs> Those are very different lists. <laughs> um, but it's Devil May Cry 3. We're playing Devil May Cry 3. Uh, it came out in 2005, developed by Capcom, directed by Hideaki Itsuno. Uh, it is thought of as one of the best Devil May Cry games. The return to form after 2... Uh, a classic character action game and it had been on our two playlist for a long time and we you know we thought we'd never play it unless we made it our, our job so we made it our job and here we are yeah um, and that's i never our... would have played this if not for our job <laughs> yep uh, and now we've played devil may cry 3 we filled in a classic gap in our history uh and we did it yep. and if you remember uh we played devil may cry 1 about a year ago now, I think. It could have been a year ago, could have been four years ago. Honestly, don't know. I think it was fairly recent. Um, but time. Uh, we played that, uh, and uh, we'll have a lot of the same things to say. We still like Bayonetta a lot. <laughs> so if you yeah. remember our reaction to that, our reaction hasn't changed too much, uh, but we'll have enough to talk about. Um, the game is uh, an action game that has less Resident Evil stuff, but still some uh, puzzles and interaction and moving through a coherent uh, world rather than linear levels. Uh, the story is that, some of you have heard this before, but Dante's got a shop. Uh, uh, this is the first time he has a shop, though, because this, this is a prequel. This is a prequel. Dante is 17 years old, and he's bought a shop, um, because that's what you do. And his shop gets destroyed. Must be nice for like this <laughs> yeah. hell Japanese Europe to have such a good economy that he can afford a shop at 17. I uh, can't even fucking afford to like fund my 401k, but okay, go off, I guess. Go, go off, I guess. Dante's go off, I guess. Yep. Uh, he is invited, quote unquote, by Virgil, uh, his brother, to the scene of... It's just a general invitation. Didn't really know what it means until a giant tower raises in the middle of the city, crushing the city. It's a hell tower, and uh, that's where he's been invited. It's called Temenagru. Uh, he's going to climb it. He's going to fight Virgil, and that's the that's the game. Virgil is trying to open the portal to hell uh, and reclaim Sparta's power. Virgil is being assisted uh, by someone named Arkham, and Dante is being assisted by someone, uh, well, someone by Lady, the classic Devil May Cry character, Lady. But this is her first game, so she doesn't really have a name at first. And then she has a name, and that's part of her plot. Why is every Devil May Cry game about a Naming plot shops? to open the door to hell? Um, oh, that too? But because that's what's because of Sparta. But, look, I'm, I might not be the biggest Devil May Cry fan. Who gives a fuck about Sparta? Everyone. Devil May Cry 4 isn't about this stuff, but it is about a secret religion that worships Sparta. I understand that in the universe, everyone cares about Sparta. As a player, who the fuck cares about Sparta? Well, this comes to essentially our... Like, my entire perception of Sparta is a devil man doing sick kung fu moves in the opening video of the first game. That's it. That's the only (laughs) thing he is. kung fu moves in that video. And it's 2001 out of, like, mocap stuff. Yes. Uh, you're right about that. I don't give a shit, but this is like one of our breaking points, is that I don't give a shit about Devil May Cry's story. And I know it has a like a very big earnest fandom who really care about Sparta and Virgil and Dante, and I've never cared. I've never cared. I'm sorry. I just don't care. Uh, it's fine. I like, I like the game part, but I've never really cared about the story. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I watched through... Did you end up watching all of Devil May Cry 2 or no? Yes, yes, I watched that one. Okay, you. so Devil May Cry 2 is just the most nothing game in the world. Uh, yes. It basically should be illegal to be released. If it had been released in a world where social media exists, uh, everyone would have been fired. Uh, is what would have happened. I mean, that it, was that. it was almost that. It was almost bad. Like, uh, uh, it was the old internet, but it still happened. Um, and uh, the problem with that is Dante basically has no lines because there's no story. There's literally like 15 minutes of cutscenes in that game, and nobody talks during them. Yep. Uh, so they they went they responded to fan critique by making sure Dante never shut the fuck up. <laughs> and it sucks so bad. Oh my yeah, god, Dante, please shut up. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, I am a defender of DMC Devil May Cry. That Dante is mouthy, but it's like intentional that he's like a shitbag that you kind of dislike. Uh, this Dante, they think he's cool. I guarantee you they think he's cool. Yep. And even though there's like, his, he's growing up through the course of the game, right? Like, and sees this tragedy happen and gets his shot and becomes more serious. They still think it's cool when he does a big ridiculous air guitar move. Yeah, they think it's cool when he tells his sentient swords not to talk. As if that's the thing you want is like, oh, we we, ha- we have to have less characters in this game with five people in it. Yes, because all the Devil May Cry games are about the fate of the world, but there's only six people in the world at any given time. Yes, and two of them in this game are the same person, so you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so the story uh, of the game as a whole is... Uh, he climbs the tower, he's, he's going to fight Virgil... Uh, he fights Virgil and then falls down the tower and has to climb back up the tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he's in, then he's in a whale for a bit, but that doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And then Virgil betrays Arkham by killing him by being like, uh, "Oh wait, no, he has to go down the tower and then back up the tower." And yes, because yeah, they go down the tower because the, the, the tower's got like a part in the demon world and the part in the human world, and it rises up and then they go down, they open it in both ends, and then you have to go back up again to yeah. Anyway, uh, so he climbs the tower. Uh, ladies there. Uh, and kind of mysterious, and no one knows what's up with her. Uh, and then every uh, can we just talk a minute, uh, like independent of the plot? Lady is maybe the coolest design of like an action game prote- like character I've ever seen. I, oh, I love so her cool. so much. She's so she's cool. just she's just like a monster hunter giant gun user, but with like a schoolgirl skin. Like you, the, you put the DLC outfit on your Monhun character, and that's what she is. Uh, but she does a lot of like gun kata stuff, and she's just the best. <laughs> Uh, it's it's incredible. She's incredible. I remember how much I broke your heart when I show, showed you her four design. Uh, her four design is terrible, but you do get to play as her, so I'm excited to do that at some point. Yep. Uh, because it's such a cool design. It's such a cool design. Yeah. It's just kill a kill right here. Uh, yes. It's very good. It's far less booby than kill a kill. And by yes. the by the metrics of this genre is a very restrained design, despite the fact that she's running around in literally like a fashiony schoolgirl uniform. By the metrics of her other design. Yes, also that. Because <laughs> uh, yes, it's just a cool looking design. Uh, and uh, surprisingly unbooby for this game kind of game. Yep. Anyway, uh, so that, those are the things that's going on. Uh, the big plot points are, first of all, Virgil betrays Arkham. Uh, because he's the one that wants the power and Arkham's getting in his way and isn't isn't like cool enough to stand up to him. But then Arkham reveals that he's actually the jester who's been kind of hanging around uh, and helping Dante from time to time um, and betrays Virgil back and takes the power for himself. So then everyone has to climb up the tower again uh, to stop Arkham. Uh, yeah, Dante he has and Virg- the soul edge now. He has the soul edge, right, because it's all about the... Um, 
uh, the the uh, the pendant things from the from the first game. Yes, and Sparta's cursed sword, uh, which is annoying because because you're, those are in the first game, you know that you can't make your sword the cool sword, and you never get a leveled up version of your sword in this game. <laughs> I really yeah. wanted a better sword. Uh, so that's that's going on. You and Virgil get up to the top. You fight Arkham. Uh, and then you team up to fight Arkham, and it's very cool. Uh, and then you fall through into hell, uh, and then you have to fight Virgil uh, for no real reason. Uh, and then you, you leave. And then well, I mean, it. he wants the pendants. He's like, I must have Sparta's power. And you're like, look, the whole point is none of us have Sparta's power. And then he's like, no, let's do the same boss fight for the third time. And then you do. <laughs> and then you do. Uh, and then he's like, well, just leave me here. I'm going to go get my soul stolen by Mundus. <laughs> I mean, he literally gets killed. So, yes, he has to stay there. Um, well, did you, you saw the like post credit scene? Yes. Yeah, where he's like, "Well, where he's like, it's my turn to fight Mundus." You're like, "Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> I bet it is, mate. <laughs> I bet it is." Because uh, we all know how that goes. Prequels uh, are often very bad. This yeah. is the, this is the takeaway. Because then he leaves, and then there's an awful cutscene about devils never crying and devil may cry, and that's how he names the shop. I know, like, oh, this sucked when they did it the first game as well. Yes. Um, but also doubly funny because in the first game we were complaining about how doesn't it make no sense like surely it should go the other way for character development for work and this way it does that but in service of setting up how it's going to go back later yeah so question mark i don't know anyway the story's bad i think the story is basically just bad uh there are some very cool moments uh lady murdering arkham fucking cool as hell yes uh because throughout the game she's been chasing arkham who's her dad uh, and he did the Sparta thing, or not the Sparta thing, the, who's, who's the one he's copying? Is, is it Sparta? I guess it might be Sparta, because Sparta's wife died, like, their mum died. Anyway, I forget what he's doing, but basically he's like, oh, to get the power of Sparta, I have to kill a woman, because uh, of the plot, and that's uh, how Lady's mother died. Um, this is an anime game, women must die. Women must die, I mean, he was supposed to be the one to fill a dark soul with light. Yes. <laughs> the, I, the, the problem is, none of these games can compete with my girlfriend is a, like, spiritual resurrection of my mum, who I wanted to yeah. fill her soul with light. <laughs> like, this this series started on the purest version of this, and now they're just gonna true. do it again in worse forms. Uh, but, yeah, so she's been trying to get revenge on him, and as he gets all the power... Uh, he gets owned, and then he's kind of begging, like, no, I was being possessed by the spirit of Mundus, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, actually, you're getting murdered right now. And she kills him, and it's very cool. Yep. Uh, the other thing that's very cool is the Dante and Virgil's team-up fight. That's very cool. Yes. Um, and those are the two big, cool story beats in this game. I don't find the final duel between Dante and Virgil good. No. Uh, it's meant to be profound as they fight in hell as in this like prequel sense, but you know, this came out after Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah, the whole, we, the battle's over, but we still have ideological differences, so now it's our turn to kill each other. Uh, one is really robbed by this being a direct prequel to the game where Virgil's been dead. <laughs> yes. So you know, you, you, you look, we know how this goes, and there's no poignancy to it, because before this, Virgil was only like a lore character, not a real person. And in this game, his whole thing is that he's just Loki before Loki's real. Like, his Tom Hiddleston energy is so, like, bad to me as someone who does not like this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just the character who exists to be, like dry and underwritten compared to like the boisterous one it's literally the same thing uh and so you 
you know, as someone who enjoys media, you enjoy the underwritten characters because they're underwritten, not because they're actually good characters. Uh, because the worst thing you can do to one of those characters is give them a television show on Disney Plus coming out this November. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking true. Uh, um, so I, the minute Virgil like starts to like interact with Dante like more seriously, I'm like, oh right, you're just a shitbag. I don't want to. I don't care about you at all. The only thing I like about you is you have two models. My hair is down like Dante, and I pushed it back, and I look like Virgil now because they're twins. And it's amazing because they haven't animated the transition between those models. They don't have any transitionary states for his hair, so they just kind of cut as his hand goes over the camera, and then he's got the new hair. Uh, it's yes. funny every time. Uh, yes. But yeah, like the reason that that fight doesn't work at the end is like that. And also, he has the most boring uh, ideological difference ever. Like, we've watched one anime before. You need to have more than power is good. I'm sorry. You need to have more there if you want this to be anything remaining interesting. Because Virgil's whole thing is, I think I should have all the power. And Dante's thing is, no, you shouldn't. And that's it. Uh and I know it's a Devil May Cry game, right? Like, I don't, I'm not asking for profound um, conflicts and viewpoints and themes and stuff. But I do... But when they treat this as this, like, tragic clash of brothers who can't see eye to eye, uh, then they need to make me care about that. And that's just not how you do it. But also, like, even if you just look at this formally, it is the third time you're having this exa- this same boss fight, and now it's in a sewer, basically. <laughs> like, it's a hell sewer, but it's a sewer. It's not... You turn into a devil and fight Mundus in space, which is how the first game ended. God, the first game is sick. And then you fire away in a biplane. Yeah. Good video um, games. Good video games. Yeah. It's it's um, it's frustrating because, yes, I've always heard Devil May Cry 3's story talked about as very cool and very good. And this just isn't. Um, and that's a shame. Yeah just not here for this kind of story uh dante being super bratty i understand that it's like he's young and brash and will grow into this uh it's, like that's fine i guess but also every prequel is this and so many video game protagonists their entire story arc is about doing this over and over again i just don't care i can't invest in this uh especially when it ends the same way all these the ones i played and uh where he is like now i'm opening the store and i'm gonna be a demon hunter i want the game that's just like Five or six short stories of him going around hunting fucking demons. Yeah, when's he going to actually investigate some mysteries and do some hunt some demons that aren't Mundus and Sparta and the end of the world stuff? Yep. Because uh, like you we were talking about this, and I think you you said this to me. This should just be Constantine. Uh, yeah. Like they've made a premise that's very cool and then treated it the most boring way. Yeah, because every time the thing that I want to see gets interrupted by a big end of the world plot, and that's boring. <laughs> it's very boring. Yep. Because it's always around his stupid dad and his stupid brother. His dad that you've never met and his brother that you haven't met until this point, but it treats like you've seen this brother before. Yeah, like I care a lot about Blue Dante. I don't. And then going forward, they would continue to treat like, oh, you care about Virgil. Is Virgil going to come back in four? And everyone's like, oh, is Virgil going to be in four? Virgil must be in four. And then he wasn't. And everyone was like, oh, uh, Nero must be Virgil's dad, which he, he was. Well, no, other way around. Virgil was Nero's dad. Uh, but that was never in the game. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, Dark Souls light. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of lore stuff in this game that I am just am not invested in. But the the games and the fandom is, is does care about in a way that I just it's, it's fine. I guess like I don't want to take that away from people, uh, but it doesn't mean I don't connect to it. Yep. Um, interested to see how four will be on a rewatch because it's about this a little less because it's a new guy. Uh, I mean, until it becomes about Dante again. Yeah, but he's just kind of there. 
I can't believe that's true. Uh, as far as I remember, the game's mainly about Nero. And Dante okay. is just kind of there. Um, you play as him for the back half of the game. You do. But he's just going through Nero's levels again. Okay. I don't remember that game that much. I remember Nero yelling Kyrie for about t- 10 hours straight. That's the plot I remember. All right. Uh, but I guess that's enough about us complaining about the story. Let's talk about the video game part. Uh, where should we begin? Uh, so they took the part out of this game where Resident Evil happened. Yep. And this they... happened in 2 also, but... But 2 is a, like just a bad, bad game. Yes, like 2 is terrible, so whatever. Um, this game has a lot of finding objects to slot into doors or mechanisms, but none of it has an understanding of spaces. They built a bunch of arena levels and loosely tied them together with hallways, and there was no thought to how that all holds together until like only one area really towards the end that manages to be good and remind you that, oh, right, this used to be half of what this game was about. Yeah, so there's, there's a thing um, that I was going through during this game, which is that... I like these kinds of games. I like p- using keys to open doors. It is a thing I am a fan of. Yep. And I was questioning to myself, wait, do I? <laughs> As I was playing this game, because there's a lot of keys to open doors. It, it's not like the game at the start doesn't have you going through places um, and backtracking and all the things you would formally expect from this kind of game. But it just felt like I could see the spreadsheet. I was just doing thing to make thing happen. It just well, felt the thing. This right. game, the thing, the game, this the thing. This game really likes to do is basically you, you go down a hallway and you find a T intersection, right? Yes. And if you go left, you're gonna find a random object like a glowing skull or a piece of orichalcum or something. And if you go right, you're going to find a door or a statue that's like this needs a skull. This needs a piece of <laughs> <Yes>. orichalcum. <laughs> um, but it doesn't do the thing that like Resident Evil does where. The hallway doesn't split off into two sides. It goes straight, and you first find the door that asks for the orichalcum, and then if you keep going, you'll find the object to open the door, and you're like, oh, I know what that goes to. Half the time in this game, you pick up objects, and you have no idea what they go to, because you haven't found that object yet. Yep, and then, like, there was a moment where, um, in one of the first puzzles, when you first get into the tower, uh, you get into this large circular room with two floors, uh, and you need... Uh, the, the you go through and you go you're going up this this tower in this big staircase by splitting off into different rooms because you can only get through bits of the staircase. Uh, and you go up and you find a thing that's like a skull or is it a sort of lightning sword or something? I don't know. It's 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 some powerful thing, and you need to place it in one of the rooms you went through. But if you didn't go to the back of that room while going through the room, which isn't on the way to the like route that you were currently on. Uh, you wouldn't have realized that you missed a key spot, uh, a place to put the object that you're interacting with. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of like missing the triggers if you're not careful. Um, yep. If you do, like weird lightning trident and elevator mechanism, do not like inspire linking those two things together in your head. Other than this thing generates lightning and it says you need a great big electric power source to power this thing. Right. So yeah, because you see by seeing the spreadsheet of this, it's like this may as well be a green door and I need green key. And there are games that like literally just reduce it to the level and with that honesty, it's fine. Uh, yes. But here... I got the armor key to open the armor door. Right. But then I finally got to the bit later in the game where they do this properly. 
and I was like, right, no, this can be good. And you get to the tower, uh, and there's a mechanic where the tower spins. Uh, you can yes. unlock this thing to make the tower spin, uh, which means the doors go to different places, uh, and you need to get to each three points on, along this um, uh, this turning corridor uh, in order to get uh, the three parts of the key to open the lift. Uh, and as that was happening, I was like, shit! These games are good, right? I, yes. I don't dislike these kind of games. This It just needs a proper understanding of spatial context the the final part of climbing that tower like over the last like six missions or whatever is really good also in that you're going through spaces you went through before yes. but in like radically different contexts and there's a lot of things even in that rotation mission where you rotate a thing and then you go out of a door and it's a room you've been into before but from a different angle so it takes you a moment to realize oh this was next to here these two things existed in relation to each other and while yes the game has a lot of like it is a coherent space and it has a map screen and everything it the, the spaces don't feel connected in that in, a, in no. a meaningful way they just feel like here's the next battle arena uh, yep. and so it suddenly led into that and i'm like right that's what made this game really cool because i remember in the first game where you going through a mansion and then exploring the different pathways and then you go down to hell yes uh, and then you come back yep uh, and it's great um so that was that was frustrating about the uh, exploration stuff, but I knew that the game was mostly known for its combat. Yeah. And uh, I think the combat is fine. It was not as revelatory as I was expecting from its reputation. Well, the thing is, Devil May Cry exists. It's just Devil May Cry. Again... Honestly, and the weapon the weapon selection isn't good, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, I think the weapons... So we play this game differently to Devil May Cry players, I think. Like, I've seen Devil May Cry high-level play, um, and I, I can see the game that I guess people think... Like, the game that people want, I guess, um, th which is, like, doing a combo, switching a weapon, switching another weapon, switching a gun, blah, 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 doing all these cool things, raising the style meter by never doing the same attack twice in a row. Um... The game is designed against that at basically every turn, in my opinion. Like, maybe that game is there at the highest level, and I, like, I can see it. So yes, clearly there is a like market for that, and people really enjoy it, and that's how it's become so popular. But you unlock combos one by one with red orbs. You only get red orbs if you do well. Uh, you, like, you need to get S ranks in order to get more red orbs, and I was getting mostly B ranks, so my red orbs weren't that high throughout the game. So if you're on a first playthrough, you're only going to be able to get a couple of weapons um, up to any kind of like uh, usability, because you need all the combos to really be able to use them. Um, two... The sword's the best weapon of the game. It's the most versatile. The other ones have specific uses, but because of the red orb system, you're not encouraged to experiment. You can only switch at switching points, uh, and you can only and you can you have to choose where you spend your red orbs to improve your weapons, and also theoretically upgrade your life bar, which you need because the game's hard. Uh, so at every turn, it encourages you to um, try what's familiar and not push yourself and experiment. Yeah. Uh, so maybe if there was a way to break through and get to the game where I'm doing one weapon combo into another weapon and switching at all times. Uh, but it, the game that they made pushes against that, at least for us, for new players. Uh, so I was mostly using the sword and doing the same four combos. Because you only have, like, five combos on the sword. Uh, yeah. And that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, no. It, uh, there's just a general, like... 
Like, I understand that you're simplifying the combo system, so it's basically triangle in various, like, beats. Or maybe you throw in some extra stuff, a directional button, an R1. Uh, but in reality, like, there's not the long combo strains that I think about when I think of, like, Bayonetta. Which is obviously the thing we always talk about, right? Yes. That game literally has every load screen. Here's the 7,000 things Bayonetta can do. Try some of them out. <laughs> yep. And it's definitely strange because while... Like, Devil May Cry is talked about as this expressive fighting game. And I was, like, doing a stinger into a, uh, like, um, backwards backwards triangle to get everyone up and then hit them down and then the regular combo and then doing that again and again and again. Uh, and blast off! Blast off! Yeah! Uh, and that's just, was almost the whole game. And I guess the argument is that um, there are more weapons, you can do more. But as I said, like, the game's design was pushing back against me experimenting them at every turn and that like transfers over to the style system right where it gives you different styles with all these cool moves but for some reason you have to choose between them you have to choose between whether you want good movement or more than four attacks yes uh, and why and you can't switch on the fly you have to switch at a statue so it's yeah. not like it's actually like okay uh, I... there are moments where i can see this right which is where one of the boss fights, uh, the vampire boss fight, um, I use the nunchucks because the guy says to use the nunchucks to actually fight her because it gets the bats away quicker. Yes. Uh, but I didn't have air hike on my nunchucks because I hadn't upgraded them because they were useless. <laughs> like, they yes. were not very useful weapons, so I hadn't upgraded them. Um, and that part was frustrating, but the, the part it did get to was whenever I needed to dodge the... Um, lightning attacks i would have to switch to my sword so that i could do air hike right uh yeah. and so i see a version of this game where maybe you have all these modes and it becomes about like switching between them and almost almost like final fantasy 13 right where it's like i see a thing coming i go to this mode and that's how i'm going to approach it uh but the game relegates all that to pre-encounter uh switching at fixed points so it can't be a it just pushes against any form of expressive play even if it's supposedly designed and in fact judging you on how expressive your play is at every encounter yeah that was definitely my experience <laughs> yeah i didn't even figure out how the guitar worked really because i used it like a little bit and i'm like i don't I don't understand what I'm doing here. I'm summoning bats, I guess, with, like, charge moves. I, I almost... So I, I... The closest I get to figuring out how the weapons work are on the combat adjudicators. And then that just leads to me getting everything to S, maybe, but not being able to take it through to triple S to get the life piece. And so I'm yep. just doing the same six combos over and over again and not knowing how on earth they meant to make that bar fill. Yep. And I had it fully leveled up. Like, I had it ready to go, but I couldn't... Um, I couldn't make it work for some reason yeah uh so it was it was strange and there are there are moments in the game where i think the combat is really good and it's in it's well there's one okay there's one really incredible boss fight uh which fight do you think this is it's the one inside the whale okay i think there are two incredible boss fights what's the other incredible boss fight shadow dante that one's cool as well Yes, no, you're right. Yes. That one is cool because that's yes. got an actual. Uh, all, both of these boss fights are designed around like actual mechanics. Yes, because um, most of the boss fights are pure pattern recognition, and the game leans into something I find very frustrating, which is it all. It likes to put bosses into weak modes where you can just hammer on them for a while. Yes, uh, 
And so you end up just jamming the triangle button and then dodging and then waiting for your opening and then you hit him and then you jam the triangle button. Uh, to which I say, why doesn't you... Like, if you get your period of opening, I would balance that around the first hit does the damage you're meant to do because yep. the, punishment the punishment mechanic isn't really interesting. Um, so in these other boss fights, you have the first one, which is about two... So there's the central heart that has the actual health bar and there's two on either side uh, things that will like lower the shield of the main health bar. Um, yeah. And in the middle, there are actual enemies that constantly respawn. And so instead of it being about... I saw the attack, I have to do this, and then attack, and basically becoming a Mario boss fight of, I recognize the pattern, I have to do the attack for an extended period of time. It becomes about actually managing things that are real and, um, like, not scripted. Yes. Uh, and that's the same with the Shadow Dante fight. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the, the like, heart of the whale is, is just a Dark Souls boss. Yep, it's so cool. Yes. I should get back. I mean, I started Dark Souls. I haven't had the time to get back to it. But like one, if... it's a big monstrous tableau, but also it's like chip away at these side things to reveal like a weak area to attack as you are like crowd managing because it swarms enemies also at, you th at the same time. There's yep. just a lot going on that requires you to like manage space in a way that this game typically is not about because the actual process of every boss is run at them, jump above their attack because the only way you can dodge attacks is to jump up like a fool and then punish that by coming down at them again. Uh, yes. until they get a weak point and then you wail on the combo button until they stop taking damage and then run away and do it all over again. Yes, and that's all the bosses. Yeah. Uh, and so I really appreciate that any time that the game um, let you like have to balance things and manage things beyond this binary um, system of uh, rope management or reaction, yeah. I guess. Uh, and it was nice. The, the, the Shadow Dante fight is cool as well because that one's all about lights. Uh, that you have to uh, like break open around the arena. The arena's in darkness, uh, and if you can get him in a in a in a like shaft of light, then you can wail on him a bit. Um, and there's two levels of that, which is uh, if he jumps in to attack you, but you dodge away and hit the specific light bar, you can get him for a little bit. But if you get all the light bars around around the arena, then the whole arena's light. Then you can get him for a longer time. Um, and I think if it was just one of those mechanics, it wouldn't be interesting. But both of them together means that one, the fight went really fast because I was like, I figured out the puzzle, uh, and that that was just very satisfying and good. Yeah, and you fight all the bosses over again for an hour. I uh, sure do, because the game wasn't long enough apparently. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It, it, yeah, the, the problem with that is that the, like, I fought every boss with the sword. I continue to use the sword because it's the best weapon. Sometimes you use the gauntlets, but, like, they're not as good as the sword when it comes to bosses. I just like how hard they hit mobs. So, yeah. I just use the sword again. So, I just fought the same bosses twice with the exact same mechanics. Yes. Because uh, they don't change, and... It's not because the way upgrades work are just a few combos for each weapon. Your sword hits just as hard. The only difference is maybe you have more health now if you've been buying or upgrading red orbs. Yep. Uh, so it's just the bosses again. They're in the same arenas. There's no changes. You just fight them again. And if they suck the first time, they sure suck the second time. Yep. Fucking vampire. Yeah. Dante needs a block or a dodge, like a good dodge. Yep. I, I got a game for you. Yeah, I know. I like that game a whole lot. 
Uh, no, I meant the other game for you. Oh, I don't like that game. I played it, Jackson. <laughs> he's got a block. He's got a block. Ryu's got he a block. Have a, you know what? He does have a block. He's got a block. He's got a roll. They both work really well. It's better than this game in basically every way. What if your dodge was encouraged to dodge at the last second and then gave you an incredible punish opportunity? I mean, that is true of Ryu's dodge as well. Not in the same way. Not in the same way. Not in the same. Yes. Not in the same way. What if they made a really good game? Yeah, they did. They made two. A third one's coming. I'm very excited. Hopefully. I hope it's coming. I mean, it's probably coming. It's probably coming. Astral Chain coming soon. Do we have any more uh, takes on this? Or do we want to go to emails? Because we have a couple of emails about this that will... Yeah, we might as well go to emails. I I thought this game was fine. I like the second half a lot other than the boss rush. Um, I don't understand the, like raves it gets like i get like i get it if you played it when it came out because bayonetta didn't exist yet uh if you did nobody an owned xbox, an xbox yeah. yes <laughs> yeah uh, um, so it was just me those, and those two things those two things are true now for most people like you can play bayonetta and you probably have a 360 and you can play ninja guy in black on that i don't think you want to but you know that's not for me to decide uh jackson says you do so maybe listen to jackson uh <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't understand why this game is still held up in this way. And maybe it's maybe it's not. Maybe everyone I talk to is old, but I just don't get it. I remember this game being talked about like the way people still talk about God Hand, uh, and I just don't see it. It's not I don't think it's as good a game as the first Dove May Cry for all of its like problems and how limited its scope can be sometimes. I think that game is on the whole more interesting in its level design and its combat systems, especially for its era, than this game is coming along like several years later. Yeah, so I was having this moment during this game thinking, is the combat better? Is it actually better than the first game? Because I know it's got a little bit more options and you can switch yep. between weapons. But then I was remembering like the first Nello Angelo fight. Uh, yeah. And even the spider boss, I was like, no, the, the bosses were just better. <laughs> the the interactions yes. between the enemies were better. These enemies are mostly just, they're either, uh, for the most part, challenging but boring bosses, or they are, like, um, what's the word for enemies that take way too many hits to kill? I've forgotten the words. Like bullet sponges, but for swords, I yes. guess. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're that but so you can combo on them longer. But I don't want to combo on them longer. Uh, it's not challenging really to avoid their attacks. Um, the only one times it gets challenging are for like the big, like scythe enemies that disappear and reappear. Uh, but yep. for the most point, dying to mobs is not an issue. They really just exist so you can hit them forever, and it just means I'm jamming triangle for so much longer than I ever want to be jamming triangle. Yes. Uh, and it's just it's just a weird combat system. I I, I assume it. If you really enjoy getting the challenge of balancing your weapons enough to get everything to SSS all the time, then this game's for you, and that's a large audience, but it's absolutely not me. Yep. Uh, but with that, I guess we'll go to emails, because we'll have a little bit more to say about this game with some prompting.
if you have emails for us, you can send them to podcast at normalmapping.com. We'll take them about anything. It doesn't have to be what we're playing, but, you know, it's usually that. It's usually uh, We have a bunch of emails. Jackson, do you want to start us off and we'll work up? Yeah, I will start off uh, with Reed's email. Uh, Reed says, <laughs> we got one from Reed, Deck, and Boo. All my friends. All my friends sending their Devil May Cry emails. Hey, friends. Uh... Reed says, first time sending in a question to the show, but I was happy to hear you'd be recording an episode on one of my favourite action games. Uh, I'm letting all my friends down, because all my friends are big Devil May Cry friends, I'm sorry. Uh, I've been thinking about how Devil May Cry 3, and the prior engine in the series as well, in different ways, uh, is representative of the early to mid-2000s style of action games, along with games like Ninja Gaiden and other such franchises. So I was curious on what your ideal action game would be, or if it already exists, what is it? If a developer got tapped to make a game exactly to your liking, what would it be like? Uh, I always like hearing what people's thoughts are on what makes them drawn to specific types of action games, so I'm curious. Love the show. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you, Reed. Um, uh, Bayonetta 2 already exists, so it's hard to say, really. <laughs> yeah, like, I I think about this a lot. Like, why why do I like Ninja Gaiden, right? Like, um, and I think it's because I like action games that are about fast, like, instant reactions, but also um, um, kind of, like, low-level crowd control also. Uh and like it's just very hard for me to get to like neo is neo and ninja gaiden the games that i both like like team ninja's philosophy is very good but it's games where you are like instantly reacting to fast attacks and then hitting them and that's a lot of action games i feel like it's a very boring answer is i like it when the enemy does an attack and then you roll and then you hit them because that's all of these games on some level uh so i i don't actually have a great comprehensive answer for my like philosophical action game ideal um, Bayonet 2 is really close to me in part because my goal, my things I want to have an action game is I want all the weapons to be good. Uh, there's yes. only one bad weapon in Bayonet and it's the bow. It sucks so much, uh, in two specifically. There's a lot of bad weapons in Bayonet 1, if you ask yes. me. Um, and, um, I want the game, not, not, not necessarily to feel like super fast or whatever. I like the like momentum swing of mm-hmm. like the enemy is going to, uh swing at you you're going to witch time dodge and then you're going to get a combo off that the longer you can sustain that combo the more intense it gets so it creates this like great like whiplashing loop effect of like the 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 like beats of the combat it's not necessarily about like i don't want like the strikes to be fast because honestly my favorite weapon in bayonetta is the big fuck off hammer that's super slow but the when you swing it in even in the context of a game as like fast as Bayonetta, there's this great sense of like weight and momentum behind it, where the thing is like three times bigger than she is, and you're just gonna fuck up whatever you hit with it. Um, and I really like that as like a aesthetic of play. And because Bayonetta is so much about like summoning demon arms out of like hell portals to fight your enemies, there's always this big outsized dramatic. Uh, momentum heavy element to it that is not like i enjoy like the thing about this like devil may cry is like especially like the second narrow fight uh, or some parts of ninja gaiden is the sense of i am fighting i am a person with abilities fighting another person with the same abilities and we're just going to clash and yes. it's very even and equal um and that's cool i like it in contrast to the rest of the game which is fighting giant outsized things with your own giant outsized weapons and the mm. exaggeration of that I mean, the thing you said about the way witch time combos work specifically uh, feels like someone sat down, right, with Devil May Cry 3. Uh, not specifically, but the way you dodge that one uh, Virgil attack, 
And yes. you then, if you hit him right, he'll just kind of stay there and go, ugh, for a while, and you get a few times to combo him. And that's very boring. Um, which time solves that by being giving you one a visible counter on the screen, which you can, through the like your own influence, uh, impact how quickly it moves. Um, yes. And so it just turns that punishment into something much less... Um, it just feels like oh i've got to hit him six times for the for the virgil thing whereas the uh, the bayonetta thing is like you can just you just need to do the dodge and then it's all you you do what you want yes specifically the way in which it like slows down the action and creates added emphasis on your attacks the one like a game i don't like that still does this and is incredible in the way it does it is revengeance where uh platinum you yeah, I mean, yeah, but you if you there are platinum games that absolutely do not do this right. Uh, but if you get that parry off correctly, the you get that moment where you can just wail on the enemy, and the way in which the momentum shift is like exaggerated into this burst of energy uh, is really good and powerful. Like just making all the slices on the enemy, like just dozens of them, always very good. Uh, this reminds me um, by mentioning Platinum because I was like, oh god, the combat in Nero Nomad is really bad. Uh, and one of my ideal action games I would love to see is an um, extension of the original Nia's combat, which I think that's a low-budget, messy game, but its boss design is some of my favorite boss design in anything. Uh, I love the sense of um, you, like, you're doing a boss thing, getting down to a weak point, and trying to time that so that you can then, when the weak point emerges, fully charge up a ranged attack, and just slam that into them and watch half their health bug go at once. Like, that attack just feels like one of the most powerful attacks they've ever had in a game, because of how all the encounters are designed around these moments of, like, pure catharsis when you release it. Uh, It kind of feels like a more dynamic version of, like, Asura's Wrath is about that, but that's because it's a scripted game. Like, that is the game because it's half an anime. Uh, Nier does that much more... It's still scripted boss fights, but it uh, puts that bit more organically into the rhythm of the boss. Uh, I really like that, um, uh, and I, I wish the more games would try that thing. If you know any games, just let me know. I'll play them. Yeah. Uh, well, next up is our friend Deck. Yeah. Uh, this question is: If you have the chance to take uh, Devil May Cry in a new direction than the previous games, and no one would be mad at you for whatever decision you make, what would you, or would you try to make a direct sequel in one of the currently existing timelines, or splinter off even further and make something way out of left field? Well, I don't think it's fun if no one gets to be mad at me. <laughs> Jackson, you you are the last person who gets to say that. That's true, but I think what I would do is I would make a DMC cross DMC game, uh, and everyone would be oh, mad at me. Hell yeah! I think that you have to have the two Dantes meet. I I just want the game where he runs the agency and does like small. Yeah. Like, I want every level to be a castle you go into, solve some puzzles, and then fight a big boss. And then you go back to the place and you get an entirely disconnected story of another one of those, right? Yeah, no, you can easily make two-hour set-piece, like, episodic Devil May Cry sequences. Yeah. Um, God, that'd be good as hell. You could then, in your shop sequence, like, ch- change what weapons you would go in with and stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know what? You would have you would have a training dummy on which to practice combos because this game needs a fucking way to practice combos. (laughs) You'd put a block button in it. (laughs) Yeah, I'd put a block button in it. Uh, And we have one from Boo. Um, Boo says, "Hey guys, long time mutual, first time caller. Uh, Forgive me if this is a generic question, uh, but if you had any singular ability or weapon from Devil May Cry." Uh, anyone, not just three, which would you pick? I would pick Stinger because everything in my apartment is basically one input away so I could cut down on walking time. I think everyone would pick Stinger. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'd pick Stinger. It's the Devil May Cry move. <laughs> you know, I mean, Air Hike would be pretty cool, but I already can't jump very tall. <laughs> if I could have Dante's jump and then another one of Dante's jumps, then yes, I'll pick Air Hike. Yeah, I guess an Air Hike would be good. Because I could maybe jump, like, t- two feet if I really wanted to go in the air. Not, like, the <laughs> ten feet that Dante gets and then another one on top of that. Air Hike would not be useful if it required my own physical jumping skill. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's, the, that's a good answer. Uh, we have an email from Tron. Uh, this is, uh, why do you think the character action games like Devil May Cry are not made as often now? I don't think that's true. Uh, I mean, I think the actual answer to this is that character action games are no longer the default genre you slap on whatever license game you're making. That's true. But also, like, the shinobis of the world don't get made because B-tier games don't exist. But I think there's more, like, AAA character action games than there were in the era. Were there? Is that actually true? What do we count it? Like, does Onimusha count? Or is that a beta game? I, I don't I don't know. Like, Platinum makes, like, one of these a year. It's one company, though. Yeah, but Del McCry is around. Uh, do you, like, do you count, do you count like Monster Hunter Dragon's Dogma? Do you count um, Nier? Like, I was going to say Neo, which I think you do count. Like, if you count like, games trying to Dark Souls off... count? I think Dark Souls counts. Um... I mean, yes, if you just mean generally action games, then I think that there are just as many. Um, yeah, like specifically, like technically, like deep action games that are yeah. uh, specifically about combat, right? Like, mm-hmm. like there's plenty of shooters. There's plenty, like, I guess there's like, you know, spaceship games, right? Right, but... yeah. Games where you control a guy and fight a boss. <laughs> yes. I, th- I think there's a lot of them, honestly. Most of them are like big RPGs in addition to this, but they're also this. Yeah, I would count Kingdom Hearts as this. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's an action RPG, but I'd still count it in this genre. I think it absolutely you know, um not, not very deep, but, you know, whatever. You know what? I've seen some high-level Kingdom Hearts, too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, I I think that this, is a, this genre hasn't gone away in the way that people like to act like it is. I think that that has less to do with the genre going away and more people not playing games that aren't Devil May Cry. <laughs> Because there was a reaction to Devil May Cry 5 that was so wild that I had to be like, you know they made two Bayonetta games to looking at yeah. some of my timeline. Um, yeah. And I don't, like, I understand everyone's uh, excitement, but the game had a reboot, the series had its own reboot, and there was two Bayonetta games in the time, and that's just the very direct, obvious parallels. Uh, yeah. It wasn't as much of a forgotten resurgence uh, as I think some of its fandom like to imply. No More Heroes came out, went away, and had a resurgence in this time. <laughs> um, I think the first No More Heroes was earlier. Okay. But only by one year. Okay. And I think by one year I mean three months. <laughs> oh god, okay. Because <laughs> No More Heroes is late 2007, uh, and Devil is February 2008. For... Great, great, great. Good. Um... Oh, my entry point was I played Devil May Cry, not right as it came out, but like maybe like a year or two later. Yep, my entry point was, uh, do you, is my entry point Ninja Gaiden or is my entry point playing a bunch of just random action games on the Xbox? Like the Incredibles game or whatever. I don't mean just that, but there are a lot of games where I'm beating up people uh, that I played a lot on the Xbox. And the Ninja yeah, Gaiden was the first serious one I got into, but I think that there is something to be said about how that was just a genre back then um, that got applied to a lot of bad B-tier games. I, I mean, I guess by that metric, my answer is Castlevania Lament of Innocence. 
Your answer is 100% Castlevania Lament of Innocence. That fully counts. Yeah, that's absolutely just one of those. Uh, more than the ones I was talking about. Yeah, God, I should I should get on my Castlevania play. Um, we have one more email. Do we, do we have more questions in this one first, actually? Entry the uh, how'd you like no, I think this is fine. There's just how does this compare to Ninja Gaiden? You talked about that. You can't shut up about, about Ninja Gaiden. I've barely mentioned it this episode. <laughs> I've used one, one prompt. One prompt. Oh. And I'm about to get another one. Um, See, remember remember five minutes ago when Jackson was like, oh, I'd love it when people are mad at me. I jokingly <laughs> critiqued Jackson for a second. Gone to pieces. All right, we're canceling this part of the podcast and we're psychoanalyzing each other now, apparently. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, six, our friend Six emails in um, with five bullet points. Uh, you're ta- you're handling this. I read this whole thing, but I don't even know how to pull questions out of this. Yeah, I don't know how to pull questions this as well. Uh, the the bullet points are uh, first of all about the Game Facts leaks and announcements, which are that uh, everyone hated um, DMC two on Game Facts, and then the leaks showed up, and everyone was losing their minds about Devil May Cry three, and the leaks ended up being true. Which I yes, I heard about that. Um, I'm gonna say uh, there's a good reason Game Facts didn't like DMC two because it sucks. Yep. Um. The IGN style competitions, um, after the release of DMC3, I moved to the IGN forums, damn. Uh, I've never been there. I was all game facts. Uh, it was there that I encountered the recurring style competitions, which were, uh, you had to pick Mission 1, you had to pick Dante Must Die difficulty, and the style that was being played for that competition, you recorded a video, and you posted a download link. Uh, this was well before YouTube, so it was WMVs. I remember WMVs. I was watching Ninja Gaiden WMVs. This was happening on all sides. Um... And that's just the thing that happened. Uh, and I, I, I get it. I am, I've seen like some DMC style fighting, but I don't, I don't know. What year so, was this? What, what? This was 2005 when it came out. What was I watching in 2005? I discovered torrenting in 2005. I oh, was so you were downloading a bunch of music. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, point three is uh, Ninja Gaiden versus Devil May Cry. Uh, which we've mostly handled. If you don't actually want me to go into that again, then I won't. I mean, if there's something that you have that I can actually speak to, be my guest. Um, uh, I think the Six's read on Ninja Gaiden's crowd control uh, is a little wrong. I think Ninja Gaiden is a crowd control game primarily. That's why I like it. It's about managing enemies that are attacking you multiple times. Um, but I also understand why it is isolate enemies that get destroyed to most people because it doesn't teach you how to play it. And I, I'm only good at it because I played it when I was a child for two years in a row. Uh, <laughs> So, like, just like a lot of my complaints of this game are, I'm sure you can look at the high-level play and say it's good. It's not fair for me to go, well, at the high-level play, Ninja Gaiden's actually genius. Yep. Um, but I think it has a lot to do with the way Ninja Gaiden's uh, scoring and essence system works, which are very good. But no one who hasn't played that game four times even cares about those systems. So you it explained really it to me two-thirds of my way into Ninja Gaiden, and I had never even <laughs> understood that there was a system there to interact with. <laughs> yep. Um, so moving on to the next point, um, uh, point four, uh, this is the big point of this, le- uh, this email, I feel like, uh, curing irony, poison, learn to care, uh, six talks about how, um, DMC three is the high point of the series storytelling, uh, and how it is about Dante growing up and he's only really bratty at the start of the game, but then he learns by the end of the game to be, uh, a bit, um, a bit more normal about things because he's growing up, uh, and then says, Does he? But then says, it's also why DMC4 Dante is a bummer, because he's a fully flanderized version of himself who sees everything as a joke, whereas DMC3 was him learning not to see everything that way. Uh, and my response to that is, I don't, maybe the game's bad. 
Like, this is the same writers, they all did this. Uh, so... I, I just, I also don't understand is like, Devil May Cry 1 Dante is like a ridiculous power fantasy. He was already like a goofball. He literally said, I want to fill your dark soul with light. There's nothing cool about Dante. And they forget that Dante is not cool. Well, this is the problem, right? Where someone told them that people re- really like Dante, but now they have to do it on purpose in a way that doesn't work. Because a complete idiot going, I want to fill your dark soul with light. Amazing. But you can't do that if you don't... You can't do that once you know. You just can't. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, once everyone played Deadly Premonition. Yes. I'm swearing he never made a good game again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then um, Six ends talking about items uh, and why the consumable items are bad. Uh, they are. They're the extremely you- bad. Interface using is bad. You have to navigate them into menus, and the game penalizes you for doing so. Uh, do you think they have a good? Do you think items are good, or should they have been cut entirely? They should have been cut. They are completely pointless. I never use them um, yep. because you. Even if you continue, you've already used the item, and then it's gone forever. Um, yep. So there's there's never any. Uh, it, there's no reason to use items, and it basically calls you a baby for ever doing so. Yeah. Uh, I also want to touch on the way weapons are represented in the game. Most of the various melee weapons uh, are associated with the demons you defeat, but the way he treats them is different. The way the game treats them is different. Each one's named after the boss, uh, but the swords are like literally the demons and still sentient. Um, uh, Nevin is just uh, uh, the gauntlets and isn't sentient. Is it still her or just a manifestation of her power? Uh, Cerberus is a militarized version of the collar and chains binding the big dog. Is he even in there or is it just his leashed infused power after his death? In short, what do you make of the devil arms and their implications? Not much. I think it's bad when they lean into the sentient stuff. At first I just thought it was I, power. I thought it would I thought it would be fine, especially since they want this game to be like the jokey one, if they if whatever weapon you were switched to just like constantly talked to Dante. I understand that this is like a modern, more modern like way games handled. Like you couldn't do this in the era this game came right, out. Right. Yes. But if these were, if the bosses just became the head from God of War, uh, as you were fighting through stuff and would comment on your play, I think that would be legitimately fun. Um, well, especially since was... someone someone needs to check Dante being the thing that the game just thinks is like the cool dude. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of bosses that you defeated, rubbing it in your face that you're sucking at a combo, I think is a good way to do that. <laughs> yep, that would be good. And also, it was like someone in this these games needs to talk about the wider um, idea uh, of the supernatural and the religion and hell outside of the lens of Dante's fucking dad that no one cares about. Yeah, there are loads of other demons. There are loads of other like factions here, and. But everything's about Sparta, who is very, very boring because he's, you know, he's just his dad and the power of Sparta, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. So yes, it would be much better if they did lean it because if they are all sentient, then they should lean into that, and it wouldn't, you know, there wasn't the money to have your weapons talk back to you. <laughs> back, yeah, no, I mean the technology then. probably didn't even exist to really do that the way it needed to. Right, you would just literally need to script each one individually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where we land on that. Thank you for the email six. Um, yep. Anyone else who ever wants to send in long emails, breaking them up with bullet points is a very good way to do it. Yeah, then we're sure to read most of it on the podcast. Yeah, can we go through the individual sections? Good stuff. Uh, But I think think that's it. Yeah, I do think that's it. Um, Next month, we're playing Einhander, uh, which you can get on Japanese PSN. Maybe you're at PSN? I realized when I booted it up uh, that my version is the Japanese copy, so... Um. 
I don't know. I mean, it's mostly all in English. You can also just you know get it wherever you you find your ISOs for PlayStation uh, One games. Please, bin and Q files. Okay, sorry. I don't actually emulate disc games very often, so I don't know how that's set up. Uh, PS One games is generally bin and Q. Okay, um, we'll be doing that uh, next month. Uh, that'll probably be a very short episode, but you know, we're working on a, a upcoming big episode. So that's we why. Sure are. We've got that one ready to go. PlayStation games, yeah. square PlayStation yep. games. Yep. Uh, until, uh, until then, Jackson, where can people find us? People can find us on the internet. I'm on Twitter at head falls off. Uh, there are other podcasts out of normalmapping.com. There's a new one coming soon. Uh, so st- stay yeah. tuned for that. We'll announce it soon. Um, but we're changing our podcast lineup a little bit. Uh, yeah star trek's dead star trek's dead uh long live redacted <laughs> yeah. uh and um if you want to support us in making podcasts this one uh, others you can go to patreon.com slash abnormal mapping for one dollar a month you get the great gundam project which is me and jackson talking about gundam two episodes a week every week for now until the end of next decade uh yeah I that's a good podcast i like it a lot uh, we are about to start Victory Gundam when this goes up, so look forward to that. We'll have, a, hopefully, a very special guest, um, and that will be free. So if you've never listened before, jump on with Victory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.
Still a soul for myself.